All right. All right, everyone, please take your seats. We have a special guest today. Cassie Christopher is with us, so please take your seats. Thanks. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast, where we dive into the multitude of ways that we can create a healthy mindset, sustainable habits, and a lifestyle that you love. My name is Brock Armstrong, and you will soon be hearing from my co-host, Monica Reinagel, in just a moment when she interviews our special guest. But first, let me set the stage here. In our last episode, we were talking about feelings of unworthiness and how that can affect our ability or our willingness to actually do the work on ourselves and on our lives to make them better or help us reach our goals. This episode sort of picks up on where that episode left off, so to speak. So Monica and our guest Cassie Christopher are going to discuss something that we often hear people say when they're disappointed in their results or disappointed in the progress that they're making moving towards their goal. And that phrase is, I guess I just didn't want it enough. I bet you've heard people say that or maybe you've even said it yourself. I know I have. Well, given the time of year that this episode is coming out, it's pretty early in 2023 right now, we're betting that, well, right about now, a lot of you may be thinking similar things in regard to your abandoned New Year's resolutions. Hopefully you haven't abandoned them yet, but I bet some of you have. Well, whether you have or not, I'm sure you will find this episode really interesting because Monica and Cassie get into some really interesting stuff. They cover things like Whose voice are you actually hearing in your own head? Is it really your own? Is it you that's really telling you to try these things? And they also talk about how having made previous attempts to make a change can leave you feeling exhausted and maybe afraid to fail again. That can be a scary place to be. They also get into how perfectionism doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be used for the power of good, believe it or not. They also talk about how the reluctance that we might feel may have more to do with some of the steps involved rather than the ultimate goal itself. And honestly, this was the really exciting part of the conversation for me. Just the idea that when we're looking at the goal itself, it doesn't seem that scary or that distant, but the steps in between are actually the bigger hurdles. And finally, Cassie gets into how increasing our resilience for discomfort or being able to sit and feel those hard feelings. So she talks about how that can be so very valuable and how you can actually achieve that. So I'm not going to spoil any more of this talk for you. Here we go with Monica's interview with Cassie Christopher. Welcome to the Change Academy, Cassie Christopher. I am so excited to have you here today. And I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, we started cooking up this conversation several months ago, and we are finally here to have it. And Brock has already sort of cued everybody in about what we're going to be talking about today. But before we jump into the meat of the conversation, I do want to give people just a little bit of context about who you are and you know what you're bringing into this conversation. So we have a lot in common. We both have academic and vocational training as nutrition professionals. You're a registered dietitian nutritionist, right? I am, yes. And we also both are involved in some workplace wellness initiatives, corporate wellness, where we take our magic into workplaces to help people live better, healthier lives in that context too. And in fact, we are going to be speaking together 
at a summit out on the Pacific Northwest in just a couple of months here. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on my home turf and feed you Mm -hmm. lots of good food. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I'm especially excited about the um, the focus on health equity that we're going to be bringing into that conversation on workplace wellness, because I think that that's super important. But I digress. Uh, and we also both have private coaching practices where we work with individuals on the things that they want to work on in their lives. But here, maybe our paths diverge just a little bit in that I think that while the style of our coaching may be very similar, the focus of the coaching is a little bit different. So while Brock and I work with people on lifestyle modification and behavior change, organized mostly around weight management, you have a slightly different angle on that. Tell people what your focus is. Yeah, thank you. I help women who have been dieting often for decades, and that dieting, that all or nothing dieting has resulted in a really disrupted relationship with food and themselves. And now they're at a place where maybe they're binging, maybe they're really struggling with cravings. They, you know, feel like they know exactly what to do, but they can't get themselves to to do it. And, and there's a lot of good reasons for why that is. Uh, and so I, I like to think of, you know, I'm helping people repair their relationship with food and their body so that then they can go do something like your, you know, program mm-hmm. and evidence-based behavior change strategies, but there's some repair work that we need to do first. And and that's what I'm really excited about and invested in um, because it, it, it just is really far reaching. You know, your relationship with food and the boundaries you have around food impact so much more of our lives than, than maybe we realize. Yeah, that's perfectly said. And that's how I would see it too, that sometimes the work that you're doing is sort of the precursor to being able to take those next steps. And and when it's necessary, it's really something we can't skip over. But I also noticed that you mentioned healing or repairing, I love that word, repairing your relationship with food. And that's so interesting because we hear that phrase a lot. And every time I do, I think our relationship with food is really our relationship with ourselves, isn't it? It is. It is. And also it's, I mean, I think it is, but also I think culture tells us that it's different as well. Mm. I mean, I agree with you that if you are afraid of food, you're probably also afraid of your own body. Mm. And that's um, in my courage to trust method. What I'm helping people do is reassert this feeling of safety with food and with their body so that they can trust that their body is going to mm-hmm. provide them the appropriate signals to eat or not eat or to crave or not crave. Um, because when that relationship, you know, with food and or body is disrupted, and I agree with you, it's, it's you know, in so many ways, one and the same, but I also love nuance. So I have a hard time seeing it exactly that way. Fair enough. Um, but when that relationship is disrupted, uh, you know, making changes is next to impossible because there's so many other things that need to be sorted through and dealt with first. Exactly. And that brings us to the conversation that I wanted to have with you today. Uh, and this came up, we, you and I were having a conversation sort of on the sidelines, as it were, of a group that we are both involved with. And I was sharing with you something that I hear sometimes from clients who are, you know, they may commit to the goal, they may just flirt with committing to the goal. 
And when they abandon that goal, whether it's before they even started to try or after trying and not making the progress that they thought they wanted to make, they will say, well, I guess I just didn't want it enough. Yeah. And when I said that, you perked up and said, oh, I have a lot of ideas about what's going on when I hear that phrase. And that's what we want to talk about today. For anybody who has ever thought or heard themselves say, I guess I just didn't want it enough as a way of explaining why they didn't get where they thought they wanted to go. We want to suggest that there's actually something else or a whole bunch of different something else's that could be behind that statement. It's the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) Absolutely. So here are, so Cassie and I actually just started a list in a document of the different things that could be lurking behind that sentiment. I guess I just didn't want it enough. And let's just go through some of them together. So the, one of the first ones that came up was that this goal was actually someone else's agenda for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I see this a lot with my clients and, and I'm sure you do as well around body change, you know, that they want their bodies to look different from a cosmetic perspective. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with, and I work primarily with, with women and I'm sure there's ways this is generalizable to men as well. And maybe Brock can chime in, but that has to do with Uh, this social conditioning that women get around believing that their bodies need to look a certain way in order for them to be lovable, worthy, to find partners. And then in our culture as well, we have weight stigma and weight bias where this shows up in workplaces that people in larger Mm -hmm. bodies may be less likely to get promoted, may be less likely to be hired. And in, in medical offices, doctors may focus too much on someone's Uh, body size as opposed to other treatments. So this is uh, this external agenda is if you're falling, you know, I guess pray to that is not quite the wording I want to use, but it's what's coming to mind. Um, You come by it naturally. Like there, there's a lot of other agendas telling you how you need to look when it comes to your body. And when you don't, that can cause a lot of shame. Well, and I would suggest that there that these sorts of agendas exist in a lot of domains, not just how we look, how we present our yeah. body shape or size, but things like our career goals or our business ambitions or our financial health. You know, there are a lot of ways that we may internalize somebody else's goal or agenda. Oh, certainly. Yeah. And, and that it doesn't actually reflect our deeper desires or course. And so I guess what I'm going to say is in that sort of situation, when people say, I guess I just didn't want it enough. Maybe that's true. Maybe they actually didn't want it enough because it wasn't them that actually wanted it in the first place. Exactly. And, you know, I think it can be helpful to evaluate when, when you wonder, did, did you want it enough? You know, mm-hmm. where does that wanting come from? Where does that desire come from? Yes. Whose voice are you hearing in your head? You know, is it the criticism that you've received from other people? Is it the person on social media saying, this is what you should want? Or, or, and, or is it really you? And, 
you know, uh, and I know that we're not only talking about body here, but but I do want to go back to that because sometimes I think we think that the body stuff comes from us, but really we want the change so that we can be more acceptable to other people or more acceptable to ourselves, which I would I would argue is still kind of within this conditioning. So it can be tricky is what I'm trying to say. Teasing out these voices, it can certainly be tricky. Yes. And as you've suggested, when you hear yourself say that and you start to explore, you know, this is why we spend so much time on this podcast, in our coaching programs, talking about the core values, tying our goals to those core values and making sure that we can see a clear connection between the change that we're trying to create and the things that are actually most important to us. So this would be another time to get out some of those value discovery tools and make sure that there is a link between this goal, this change, and the things that are most important to you. Certainly, certainly. And, and, and that you're excited about it. I think that's part of it too. Yes. You know, if it feels like drudgery and it feels like, uh, I don't know, a should rather than a want to, that's really something to consider too. Yeah. It's a red flag that it might be somebody else's agenda. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So moving down our little list, there were a couple that, that we brainstormed that I feel are closely related to one another, sort of adjacent to one another. So this is the subtext underneath that thought, I didn't want it enough. One of those subtexts could be, well, if I don't try, then I can't fail. And maybe that would be better than trying and failing. And then closely related to that, the feeling of that I won't be able to do it perfectly. Right. So the feel the, the fear of being imperfect. Certainly. These are big ones, especially when you have tried before. You know, if this is not your first attempt. Mm-hmm. And I think so many of us, when we're creating goals, they're around things we've created goals or commitments around before. And it can it can honestly get exhausting. Like let's be honest, it can be exhausting to keep working on something over and over again, maybe even for years and years. And so I think in some ways, this fear of being imperfect, this fear of failure, it's protective because it feels really bad to to fail. Uh, And fail, I think, is a word we have to explore for ourselves about, you know, what does that mean? Um, And what does it mean about me to fail? Because I think this perfectionism is protecting us from something. And if we can explore you know, if I failed, what does that mean about me? Am I still okay? Am I still, you know, kind of good at my core? Am I safe in the world? Like, I think there's some really primal instincts that perfection is often trying to protect. And again, doing a little exploration around that, which I think is maybe going to be some of the advice for each of these points, uh, is, is how you can uncover you know, what's the fear here that perfection is is bringing to the surface for you? Well, and I really loved one of the notes that you put is that maybe it would be helpful to explore how some aspect of how perfectionism ha- may have actually helped you in the past. Can you say more about that? Yeah. Because that was sort of surprising spin on this. Oh, I've struggled with perfectionism my whole life. And 
and in so many ways, perfectionism has made me an A plus student. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember being in grad school studying nutrition and I didn't know, like it literally was not in me to get less than a 4.0. And because of that, I, you know, got completely burnt out, right? Like there was a downside to that extremism. Um, And even on like a spiritual level, like there, there's, you know, I had panic attacks. Like there was a lot of downside to that sink that focus and whoa do I know a lot about nutrition (laughs) and it has helped my career you know because I go teach it now right like um I I know the ins and outs and and so there there is some good that comes from perfectionism some gifts of it you know, and I'll be honest with you, this is something I'm still learning when I, I like to do the word thing in this year in 2023, I have three words, <laughs> uh, overachiever, I guess. Right. And right. one of them is imperfection. And it's really around embracing my imperfection because that allows me to connect with my core value of authenticity. And for you to be able to take risks and try things that may not work out. And I mean, around here in the Change Academy world, like we see failure as a badge of honor, you know, because it means that that you tried something, you know, and we really try to reinforce that and model that. And we also call out perfectionism as a barrier that keeps us from what we're capable of. What I love that you've added to this is to acknowledge the ways that perfectionism has actually served us as well. Because when we can get a more 360 picture of an attribute like perfectionism, the drive for perfection, I think we can engage with it much more effectively than when we're either vilifying it as the problem or idealizing it as the solution, just acknowledging that, yeah, there, there's you know a, a good side and a shadow side to perfectionism, but it's not all one or the other. Yeah, you know, what's been so helpful for me with this is that recognition when I'm in a moment and I'm noticing, uh, for me, it comes up often as self-doubt, like, wow, I better go really prepare for that thing, you know, because then they're not going to leave me or how did I do? It wasn't perfect, was it? I just gave a presentation yesterday and in these virtual presentations, you know, it's like you're talking to yourself, but apparently there are people out there. (laughs) (laughs) it's a very strange strange. dynamic yes and I got off and I just noticed myself going oh it wasn't perfect you know what I mean and and I started down that road and and one of the things for me that's been so helpful is go okay that perfectionism is trying to protect me it's trying to protect my business right because Mm -hmm. you know if if I want to get more speaking gigs I need these people to have had a good time and 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 got something out of what I was saying and so to just it's say to my perfectionism, thank you that you're calling out. This is something I'm worried about. I appreciate you doing that. And I also know that it's okay that there are things to improve. And actually, I'm giving this presentation again at the, the summit that Monica mm-hmm. mentioned at the beginning <laughs> of this podcast. And so great, I will I'll improve it. And that's okay. It's, it's normal for human beings to get to improve things. I don't have to be perfect. So, you know, just noticing it's happening, having that conversation, even thanking my perfectionism for the ways it's trying to protect me has allowed me to just live with it yeah. in, in a lot more peaceable way, I would say. Oh, I I love that uh, way of dealing with our emotions, you know, not in a combative way, but just an actual relationship. 
And I also just want to call out one other thing that I noticed that uh, that has to do with giving a presentation in a virtual environment where there are people listening, but you're not actually in contact with them. So you're sort of isolated and just noticing how much more likely we are afterwards to feel like, oh, that was terrible. Then we yes. are, if we are in a room with actual people and we have that interaction, we can see other eyeballs, we can see people leaning in or nodding or shaking their heads. And it, I don't think that we are any less imperfect when we are in rooms with other people, but we're so much less um, likely to judge ourselves harshly. And it's just showing to me the the power of relationship versus you know the problems with isolation. Yeah. Oh, so true. So true. Yeah. <laughs> Phone a friend, I guess. Right. <laughs> Okay. Answer. Let's keep going. Um, the next couple that we that we called out are, I don't know, these are a little hairy. These are a little sticky. So the first one was finding yourself unwilling or unprepared to deal with the issues that are actually what's standing between you and what you want. So we have this goal, this objective, and there is something standing in our way that we don't want to look at, that we don't want to deal with, or even acknowledge that it exists. And obviously that's going to be a problem. And it's not that we don't want that goal enough. Exactly. That's what I really want to underline here. It is not that we don't want it. What we don't want, what we're not willing to do is actually deal with that thing that's between us and it. Maybe maybe an example would be helpful. Certainly. And we may not even know what the thing that is standing in our way is. And to illustrate this, I have a client who, and and this is really common when I'm working people, especially who struggle with binge eating. You know, binging is very effective for what psychologists call dissociating, which is really Mm -hmm. disconnecting from how you feel and from your body. And the, you know, the biological process of binging, which is eating a lot of food in a short amount of time, um, can help you do that. And so essentially another word for dissociating that maybe we're all a little more familiar with is numbing. You know, you're numbing out not feeling the thing. And it's not that much different from like Netflix and popcorn. It's just maybe a little bit more intense of a, of a level. So what can happen is, you know, when these difficult feelings come up, then someone is going to go to their numbing behavior. And and this can be similar, um, you know, in Dopamine Nation by Anna Lemke, she talks about this with uh, substance abuse. So it's not only related to food, but it's a lot of behaviors can be numbing. In this particular example, when we dealt with the binge behavior um, with one of my clients, what we found was there was grief behind it. And there was a lot of grief. There was grief from many different areas of her life. And one thing that kept coming up was estrangement from her children. And so the food was uh, numbing this grief. And so part of the process of healing for her was actually allowing herself to feel the grief and the discomfort. And I think feelings can be really scary, especially feelings like grief. My God, that is a scary feeling. It can be, right? Mm-hmm. But some of us were were raised also to believe that feelings were not maybe worthwhile. Feelings were bad. Feelings were scary. Feelings weren't safe. And so, you know, there can be a lot of uh, play with, with your emotion here. And so, 
for this woman, she really, once she removed the numbing behavior, she found all this grief. Mm. And then she had go through the process of processing and tackling the grief. What was the story she was telling herself? What was actually true? And before she could get to a place where she is now, um, after, you know, six months of, of going through this process where she uh, can have the thought come up and she can go that sad and she can feel the grief in the moment, but she also knows grief isn't going to last forever and she isn't using food anymore to numb that experience. What I want to point out in this scenario, because I think this is very common and a lot of people experience different versions of this, is her numbing behavior was creating negative consequences. And so it's easy then when that happens for all of the focus to be on the behavior because that's what's creating these negative consequences and all of the fixing and all of the attention and the frustration is around that behavior and and it skips over what's driving the behavior. And that can be a recipe for big frustration, right? But it's kind of natural because we're going to intervene where we see what we've identified as the problem, right? Which was, in this case, the binge eating. It can be overspending. It can be oversleeping, you know, whatever it is. We focus on that behavior and that is unlikely to result in any kind of lasting relief if it is being used to avoid dealing with another issue. Exactly. And and what I love about that, and I talk about this often too, is you know, binging can be used as a form of numbing, but so can trying to control binging and excessively restricting mm-hmm. you know, in the other direction. And I am, I am not an expert in other things, but I imagine that would be true with, okay, overspending. Well, now I'm going to get really, really intense about budgeting and really look mm-hmm. at every cent and where it goes because that control feels good and kind of fills a certain need as well but can be used to do the same thing, essentially. Exactly. And so mm-hmm. we we have to watch that. And, and so what do you do? And h- how do you start this process of seeing, could there be something behind this behavior? And I, what I always recommend people do, it has to do with, with the S word, and it's suffering. Oh, that doesn't sound very attractive, Cassie. <laughs> it it <laughs> doesn't. It's going to be a hard sell, right? I, it definitely is. And S words generally are. But, you know, the the point I'm making here is we often don't want to admit that we are suffering because, you know, so-and-so over there has it way worse. Who am I to complain? Right. Mm-hmm. I should I should be fine. Should. Right. Is yeah. always our red flag. So what we need to do, though, is go no, I am suffering. And that's actually part of self-compassion is recognizing that we are suffering. And what I really love is this formula by Dr. Kristen Neff, who's the you know self-compassion um, guru. I'm sure she wouldn't like that word, but in any case. And the formula is suffering equals pain times resistance. Mm-hmm. So this idea that we suffer worse when we choose not to deal with something. And so in the case that I shared, the pain was the grief, the resistance was the eating, and that was creating the suffering. And so if you can admit that there may be some suffering going on and it's okay for you to admit that and to you know lean into that and, and tend to that and care for yourself, I think that's the way forward if you're struggling with this issue. Well, I've also heard you talk about how important it is to have practices or have help increasing our resilience to 
sitting with difficult emotions, that that's actually a skill that we need to develop and practice and, and build our resilience for, for that. Increasing resilience is two difficult feelings. And the way I talk about it is being able to sit with the discomfort is really important. And I want to start with just having you think about for a minute, a time you were bored last. You may not have been bored recently because we're, we're all kind of overstimulated. But if you actually let yourself be bored, you know, as an adult, you will have so much empathy for kids who tell you they're bored because it is very uncomfortable. It's like skin crawling uncomfortable to me. <laughs> and, but I think boredom is one. And I bring that up because boredom is a little bit safer to feel and, and to work on your resilience with discomfort. And so, you know, one way that you can get some resilience is to sit with things that feel a little safer. Maybe it's boredom. Maybe it's, you know, being mad at your partner over something, you know, whatever it is, let yourself feel that for a moment. Um, but other strategies are... Uh, really being kind to yourself and go back to that self-compassion piece. And, you know, Dr. Brene Brown's research shows that self-compassion helps to heal shame as well, um, which is so important when we feel ashamed of our inability to change, you know, whatever behavior it might be. Yeah. So being kind to ourselves, being mindfully allowing that feeling to be there and for anyone who is struggling with food in particular, I've got a cravings busting audio guide. Uh, that's what I call it. That walks you through a 10 minute, essentially a guided meditation that uses self-compassion practices that really allows you to sit with the craving, the feeling of the craving in a really gentle and safe way. So it doesn't make you feel like your skin is crawling, um, but allows you to sit with that discomfort for a little bit so that that craving can dissipate and you won't necessarily need to, to go eat if you're not actually hungry. It can just give you that pause to really understand what's going on in your body and what your needs actually are. So that's an example of actually how to grow your resilience, um, you specifically with food, and, and that's available to download for anyone who might be struggling. I love that meditation that you've created. And of course, we will have a link to that in the show notes. And I would encourage anybody that's ever struggled with that to, to check that and just experience what that feels like. And I even think it can be a great example if food is not the thing that you're struggling with, but you're having a hard time imagining how does one sit with hard things? I think it could be just a really great sort of demo for how that's done and what it feels like. So um, so thank you for making that available to everyone, Cassie. It's very generous of you. Oh, you're welcome. And yeah, I agree. If, if it's not food, you could kind of substitute the word cravings or food with whatever the thing is and the, the general principle of the audio guide would still apply. Absolutely. So maybe we have time to just talk about one more thing that we sort of brainstormed. Obviously, we could go on for you know an hour or two here. And that was that sometimes when we find ourselves giving up on a goal, abandoning a goal, and sort of rationalizing, oh, maybe I just didn't want it enough. One of the things that's behind that is that we have been overly focused on the outcome, on the end point. And, and if that end point starts to feel unreachable, then we, we kind of want to pretend the whole thing never happens. Like I never wanted to, I never, that I wasn't really serious, you know? And you and I have talked a lot about how much value there can be in actually going through the process. In fact, before we started to record, we shared that we both made very similar 
sort of resolutions, or in my case, I called it a commitment for this year. Um, mine, which I've already shared with the listeners, was to enjoy the process to address exactly this thing. Like it's not just about the goal. It's not just about the outcome. It really is. I know we say it all the time. It's a journey. Enjoy the journey. But it really is about the process. And what was your similar mantra? Yeah, yeah. So and this this is actually something in the last few years that that I developed for myself when I was noticing, and, and the thing I want to call out about this is how sucky it feels to not reach your goal or to be working towards a goal and, and seeing your progress and being like, I'm not going to make it. Like right. that feels really bad. And I just want to make us all sit with it for a minute. Uh, that discomfort that that comes with that. And so it makes so much sense to me that we would be like, well, I don't even care about it anyways. And I hear this so much from people. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe I I must not care about it because look, I'm, you know, yards away from reaching the goal. It's not going to happen. It just feels bad. And so I was noticing actually it was in my business that I was setting all these goals and I was so excited about it. And I'm one of these goal oriented and ambitious people. I love growth. It's so fun. And obviously I want to help people, but that part of the business, the growth part is fun to me too. And I wasn't getting the results. I wanted time and again. And and it was really wearing on my mental health, to be honest with you. I was anxious. I was upset. I was sad. Like there was a lot of discomfort associated with that. And so what I realized was while I had been working towards goals and and maybe not reaching them, I had also been growing a lot. I had been learning mm-hmm. about myself. I'd actually also, if I, if I allowed myself, I was also having a lot of fun. You know, that right. there was joy and meaning in the process. And that's what I eventually came up with was this affirmation for myself that I would write out when I was at a time I was really struggling. I wrote it out every day. There is joy and meaning in the process. Reminding myself, hey, you, (laughs) you're ambitious and you are goal oriented. And I love that about myself. And also let's tone it down. Let's cool it. Let's cool it a little bit and, and look around at at the good stuff that's happening in the present instead of living into a future that may never come. And if it does, great. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm continually being disappointed by this future I'm looking towards. So let me see the fruit of working towards that goal in the place I am right now. And it has honestly, Monica, that affirmation has really changed everything for me. It has allowed me to have a lot more joy and meaning in my day-to-day life because I'm not just constantly focused on failing. And it's allowed me to set goals with more of an open hand, mm-hmm. just more of an open mind. Yeah. And I feel like I've seen that change, take that transformation take place in you, even in the time that I've known you as you have lived into that. And, and I want to just raise the ante a little bit more by saying not only is there joy and meaning in the process, but there is value and benefit mm-hmm. in the process, even when we fall short of our goals. But I just want to bring it back to the question that we started the conversation with, which is, you know, what do we really mean when we say, I guess I just didn't want it enough? And I want to suggest that if you have set a goal, if you have pursued a goal, the the chances are that you actually did care about it. You did want it. Your failure to achieve that goal is not proof that you didn't care enough. I guess that's what I wanted to say. Um, Because that's harsh and unnecessary. There are a lot of reasons 
that you may, there may be more work that needs to be done in order for you to reach that goal. But I want to give everyone who is willing to set a goal and work towards it credit for that act, whether or not they reach that goal. And there's value in that act, as you said, whether you reach the goal or not. Yes. Cassie, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. I know everyone will be who didn't already know you is excited to have met you. And um, we'll have all the contact information for your website for the wonderful audio meditation that you've offered in the show notes. And uh, I, I hope we can continue this conversation in future episodes. Yes, please. Okay, it's Brock back here. And I can't even think of what else I can add to this conversation. So I'm just going to wrap things up by uh, letting you know where you can find Cassie. So her website is CassieChristopher.net. So C-A-S-S-I-E, that's Cassie Christopher, spelt with the P-H version, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R, CassieChristopher.net. And you can also find her on Facebook. She's Cassie Christopher R-D. So make sure to check her out, and we will be back very soon with another episode. All right. All right, everyone. Thank you. And make sure to visit CassieChristopher.net. This has been the Change Academy Podcast.